This is an ABC podcast. Donald Trump spent most of the 90s cultivating a playboy image. He appeared in the media a lot and was more than happy to talk about sex, particularly with radio host Howard Stern. Also, all your women are age-tested? <laughs> true? Uh, well, hopefully they don't have AIDS. And let's face it, you have a lot of girlfriends, true? I, I like a lot of people. In the late 90s, after his second divorce, he started dating 28-year-old Melania Naus, who was also happy to talk to Howard Stern. Hello. Hey. Hi, how are you? You are so hot. Oh, thank you. Let me ask you this. What are you wearing right now? Uh, not much. Are you naked? Are you nude? <laughs> Almost. Oh. Are you in love with Trump? Yeah, we have a great time. You're perfect. And what do you do? You go over there every night and you guys have sex? That's true. Oh, we have God. a great, great time. In 2005, he married Melania and she fell pregnant. In the following year, Donald Trump allegedly had affairs with at least two women. And what he and his most loyal employee apparently did to cover that up could prove the key which unlocks the door to Trump's secret business history. I'm Matt Bevan, and this is Russia If You're Listening, a podcast about the investigation into Russia's interference in the 2016 US presidential election. Today, Michael Cohen. He's referred to as Donald Trump's personal lawyer, but in fact he's more of what they call a fixer, a man who solves problems for the boss. I protect Mr. Trump. That's what it is. If there's an issue that relates to Mr. Trump that um, is of concern to him, it's of of course concern to me. Less than two weeks ago, he pleaded guilty to eight criminal counts and announced he was happy to tell the truth to anyone who asked for it. But what information will he give up? Melania Trump fell pregnant about six months after they got married. When she was two months pregnant, Donald was caught on tape saying this. Grab him by the pussy. Howard Stern asked Trump about his views on pregnancy. If Melania has the baby and doesn't whip herself back into shape, it is over. She's got the kind of a body and makeup yes. where about one day after the baby, it's going to be the same as it was before. It's really, I mean, she's got You're that. giving her one day? She's one got a whole day. She has a whole day to I think I'll give her a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll give her a week. Melania Trump gave birth to Donald's fifth child, Barron, in March 2006. Three months later, Trump met Karen McDougal. I met Donald when they were filming the Celebrity Apprentice at the Playboy Mansion. They were filming there and I was hired as one of the playmates to work at the pool party scene. It was quite fun, actually. McDougal says she and Trump exchanged phone numbers. He would call me, I would call him, vice versa. So you had his phone number? I have many of his phone numbers, yes. She says the two met again soon afterwards. And I think we talked for about a week on the phone before his next visit to L.A. And that was his birthday, which I think is June 12th. Close. It's June 14th. McDougal says they met at the Beverly Hills Hotel in Los Angeles. Well, we did have dinner at the Beverly Hills Hotel, but in his bungalow instead. And then as, as the night ended, we, we were intimate. What happened afterward? He tried to pay me. But I looked at him and I said, that's not me. I'm not that kind of girl. And he said, oh, and he said, you're really special. She says the affair lasted almost a year. Were you in love with him? I was, yeah. And do you think he was in love with you? He was, yeah. Did Donald Trump ever say to you that he loved you? All the time. He always told me he loved me. 
She details the various places they met, including this one. I actually went to a golf tournament with him in uh, Lake Tahoe. It would appear that he was quite busy that weekend in Lake Tahoe because he also met Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels' real name is Stephanie Clifford. She was one of the most popular actresses in the adult industry when she was introduced to Mr. Trump at a celebrity golf tournament in Lake Tahoe in July 2006. She says he invited her to dinner and she met him at his hotel suite. Same weekend. Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougall say they weren't aware of each other at the time. And you had sex with him? Yes. You were 27, he was 60. Were you physically attracted to him? No. But I didn't, I didn't say no. I'm not a victim, I'm not... It was yeah. entirely consensual? Oh, yes. Yes. A year later, Daniels says Trump invited her to his bungalow at the Beverly Hills Hotel and they watched TV for a few hours. Did you have sex with him again? No. OK. That's enough about Donald Trump's personal life. But the reason I talked about it so much is these stories are extremely specific. They have timelines, they have locations, and yet the White House says the stories aren't true. The president strongly, clearly, and uh, has consistently denied these underlying uh, claims. Donald Trump has also tried to squash the stories for seven years. In 2011, when Donald Trump was considering running for president against Barack Obama, Stormy Daniels agreed to tell her story to a magazine in exchange for $15,000. The story never ran, though, because when the magazine called Donald Trump for comment, his lawyer threatened to sue. Then a few weeks later, Stormy Daniels says a man approached her in Las Vegas. I was in a parking lot going to a fitness class with my infant daughter, and a guy walked up on me and said to me, leave Trump alone, forget the story. And then he leaned around and looked at my daughter and said, it's a beautiful little girl, it'd be a shame if something happened to her mom. And then he was gone. You took it as a direct threat? Absolutely. Did you ever see the person again? No. But I, if I did, I would know it right away. We have no idea who that man was or who sent him. But the lawyer who told the magazine to back off was Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen's story starts with taxis. In New York City, every taxi has to have a license to operate, and it comes in the form of a little metal plaque you bolt onto the front of the car called a medallion. But the licensing system in New York was designed in the 1930s, and no matter how big the population of New York gets, the number of taxi medallions is limited to just under 14,000. This means they are a limited resource in a fast-growing market. And as time went on, they became more and more valuable. I bought the medallion in 1980, and I paid $57,000 for it. Back in 2006, I paid 340000 By 2013, they were worth over a million dollars each. Medallions were a solid investment. People looked on it to help put their kids through school or to buy a house. You would use the medallion as collateral to borrow money, and like myself, down the road, to either lease it out or sell it when you wanted to retire. That's what Michael Cohen did. While working as a personal injury lawyer in the 90s, he bought dozens of taxi medallions, and as the value of the medallions went up, so did the quality of Michael Cohen's lifestyle. He bought fancy apartments and attended fancy dinners, including a fundraiser where he met Donald Trump. Apparently, he enjoyed the experience so much that he started doing occasional legal work for Trump, and he even bought a Trump apartment in downtown Manhattan. 
he and Trump became closer, until eventually, in 2006, he handed the management of his taxi medallions over to an agent and started working directly for the Trump organisation. Michael Cohen did a bit of everything for Donald Trump. He did property deals, he solved problems, and he was a hype man for the boss. Donald Trump is this uber-billionaire real estate developer, possibly the greatest negotiator in the history of this planet. He became Trump's most loyal employee. In 2015, he came to the boss's defence against allegations made in a book about Trump's relationship with his first wife, Ivana. At one point, one night, he comes in in a rage. A biographer named Harry Hurt made allegations about something that happened during Trump's first marriage to Ivana in 1989. And starts pulling Ivana's hair. And then, according to her sworn deposition testimony in their divorce, He raped me, she said. At this point, she is terrified. She runs out of the room, runs down the hall to her mother's room and locks the door. Ivana doesn't deny she said this, but she says in hindsight she wouldn't characterise it as rape in the literal or criminal sense. When this incident was raised in 2015, in the early stages of Trump's campaign, Michael Cohen lashed out at a reporter from the Daily Beast. This dodgy-sounding recording shows how angry he was. He says that Donald Trump, quote, never raped anybody, and of course, understand that by the very definition, you can't rape your spouse. Marital rape became illegal in New York in 1984, and this incident was in 1989. Michael Cohen later apologised for this comment, but he didn't apologise for the tirade of abuse he unloaded on the reporter who asked him about it. So I'm warning you, what I'm going to do to you is going to be effing disgusting. That was in the early stages of the presidential campaign. As it went on, Cohen became heavily involved, regularly appearing on TV in the months before the election. You say it's not a shake-up, but you guys are down. And it makes Says sense who? that there would... Says polls, who? Most of them. All of them? Says who? Polls. I just told you I answered your question. Okay. Which polls? All of them. Okay. And your question is? Well, the polls ended up being wrong and Trump was elected, so I guess Cohen had the last laugh there. In early 2016... Posts about Playboy Playmate Karen McDougall's alleged affair with Trump started popping up on social media. Karen decided to try and get control of it. So her lawyer put her in touch with AMI, a magazine publishing company. They said I'd write columns. I would get uh, one uh, one article per month in OK Magazine, one article per month in Star Magazine for two years, and then four columns per month on Radar Online for two years. AMI is owned by a close friend of Donald Trump. David Pecker. They essentially offered her $150,000, a job, and a promise that the affair would never come out. The side deal was, oh, we're squashing the story. Okay. It's a win-win for me. Like, I get the work, and my story doesn't have to come out. So, in, in essence, you were happy to have the story killed? Yeah, of course. Like I said, I never wanted to come forward. But Karen McDougall's lawyer, Keith Davidson, was also apparently talking to Michael Cohen. 
You're saying Donald Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, Correct. was talking Speaking to Keith Davidson, Keith, your Keith, um, Without me even knowing, without my knowledge. As far as Karen McDougall knew, Michael Cohen had nothing to do with her magazine deal. Theoretically, there would be no reason for Michael Cohen to be having communication with your attorney because this was a deal between Keith Davidson, you, and AMI. Right. So why was he involved in my deal? What Karen didn't know was that the magazine company was owned by a friend of Donald Trump named David Pecker. There was no job. She was being paid to shut up, and the money was coming from Donald Trump. Stormy Daniels was also convinced to stay silent. Her lawyer, Keith Davidson, negotiated a deal with Michael Cohen. He would pay her $130,000, and in exchange, she would never tell her story. You notice something fishy there? Keith Davidson was the lawyer for both women. When the news came out about Stormy Daniels in early 2018, she and Karen McDougall decided that they had been somehow swindled by a dodgy lawyer in cahoots with Michael Cohen, and they decided to speak out. The president's team were forced to respond and came up with an interesting strategy. Michael Cohen, I just got off the phone with him, known him a long time, lawyer uh, for President Trump, tells Fox... Uh, that this New York Times scoop is true. He paid $130,000 out of his own pocket to Stephanie Clifford, you know her as Stormy Daniels. Michael Cohen argued that he had made the payments with his own money. That was a lie, and nobody bought it. Rudy Giuliani, the president's Russia investigation lawyer, was emphatic that the money did not come from the campaign. Uh, That money was not campaign money. Sorry, I'm giving you a fact now that you don't know. It's not campaign money. No campaign finance violation. Then he revealed this. They funneled it through the law firm. Funneled through the law firm and the president repaid it. Oh, I didn't know that he did. Yep. The president's legal team apparently decided that the best way to protect him was to say it was Trump's money and had nothing to do with the campaign. Now, this was for another purpose, to protect him, to protect his family. It may have involved the campaign, doesn't matter. And it would have been done under any other circumstances, if there was no campaign. To drive home the point, Giuliani even argued that Trump may have paid off other women at other times. Did Michael Cohen make payments to other women for the president? I have no knowledge of that, uh, but I I would think if it was necessary, yes. So just in case you're lost, you're allowed to pay women not to talk, but you're not allowed to pay women not to talk in order to help your presidential campaign because that is, legally speaking, a donation to the campaign and you have to publicly declare it. So, the question is, was the payment connected with the campaign? As part of his investigation, Special Counsel Robert Mueller appears to have found out about these hush money payments. As they had nothing to do with Russia, but appeared to be evidence of a crime, Mueller handed them off to be investigated further. Michael Cohen's office, apartment and home were raided by the FBI. That was in April 2018. And for months there have been questions about what that would mean for his connection with Donald Trump. Originally, the messaging from the White House was that Cohen was a good guy. He doesn't have any incriminating evidence about the president or himself. The man is an honest, honourable lawyer. That changed quickly when it became likely that Cohen was going to flip to save himself. There's nobody that I know that knows him that hasn't warned me that if he's back is up against the wall, he'll he'll lie like crazy because he's lied all his life. Michael Cohen's back was up against the wall. 
He told the court that not only did he pay Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal to keep quiet because Trump was running for president, but he says Trump knew about it. And he produced a tape recording that seems to prove it. I spoke to me when it comes time for the financing, which will be... What financing? We'll have to pay you. So no, 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 no. I got... Cohen and Trump appear to be talking about David Pecker from AMI and paying Karen McDougal for her silence. I need to open up a company for the transfer of all of that info regarding our friend David. This tape sent a chill through the White House. It indicates that Cohen had been recording his conversations with the president and we don't know what else he has on tape. David Pecker has now been given immunity from criminal prosecution and he's indicated that he has a safe full of documents regarding other deals Trump did to buy the silence of women. Michael Cohen, on the other hand, seems to be spilling the beans without any guarantee of immunity at all. It's the Michael Cohen case that's shaking the political and legal worlds tonight. Michael Cohen is addressing the court right now. Michael Cohen pled guilty to eight... Felony charges. On the 21st of August, less than two weeks ago, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to eight crimes. Six of the eight crimes were financial crimes to do with the taxi medallions, but two counts were for campaign finance violations to do with payments to women. And he implicated the president by saying he had only committed the crime because Trump told him to and paid for it. He said in court under oath using words provided and corroborated by prosecutors that the President of the United States committed a felony. Cohen's guilty plea says he got the money for the payments to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal from Trump's company, the Trump Organization. And while the President is probably immune from prosecution while he's in office, his company is not. A raid might be on the way. The Trump Organization's chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, has been given immunity from prosecution as well. So he'll tell the feds what he knows. Weisselberg is really the person who knows, maybe even more than Donald Trump, about his own company. Weisselberg has worked for the Trump Organization for almost as long as Donald Trump. He was President Trump's father's accountant. As far as we know, federal prosecutors in New York are just looking into the Trump Organization's activities in the US. But Michael Cohen's lawyer, Lanny Davis, is hinting that his client may have more information which may be of use to Robert Mueller. Information about Russia. Mr Cohen has knowledge on certain subjects that should be of interest to the special counsel and is more than happy to tell the special counsel all that he knows, not just about the obvious uh, possibility of a conspiracy to collude and corrupt the American democracy system in the 2016 election. Here is what Cohen is apparently keen to tell Robert Mueller. Cohen says he has evidence that President Trump knew ahead of schedule about Don Jr.'s meeting to get Russian dirt. Cohen also says he knows something about the Russian hackers. Knowledge about the computer crime of hacking and whether or not uh, Mr. Trump knew ahead of time about that crime and even cheered it on. And that's not all Michael Cohen knows. He met with Ukrainian politicians to talk about sanctions last year, so he knows all about Trump's dealings with Ukraine. He would know if anything happened during the weekend of the infamous PP tape. He's mentioned 14 times in the Christopher Steele dossier. 
he knows about Russian oligarchs because he accepted half a million dollars from a company connected to one, and he worked closely with his childhood friend Felix Sater to get Vladimir Putin on side. One of them said, I will get Putin on this program and we will get Donald elected. Michael Cohen is a linchpin in so much of this story. And from this point on, you're going to see uh, liberated uh, Michael Cohen speaking truth to power. Michael Cohen is ready to talk. Russia, if you're listening, is produced by Yasmin Parry and Will Ockenden. Next week, the final episode of this season. As the saying goes, if you have integrity, nothing else matters. And if you do not have integrity, nothing else matters. Robert Mueller, the man investigating whether Russia was indeed involved in the 2016 US election and whether Donald Trump knew about it. I've always been proud to say that I work for the Department of Justice because of that for which it stands, which is an unyielding commitment to the rule of law. Is he Donald Trump's worst nightmare? And Mueller looks like a guy who can definitely zero in. When Robert Mueller looks at you, two sniper dots appear on your forehead. And will he get the answers before the White House shuts him down? The Mueller investigation has been proven to be biased, so it's time for Bob Mueller to put up or shut up. If there's evidence of collusion, let's see it. That's next week on Russia, if you're listening.